The only thing that I am involved in is the game of perfection. And because of that, when I work with people, or even in this teaching, I see the game as a game of moving up and then bringing up the ground with you. It's like an inverted T where you go up the center and then you pull the two bottom lines up with you. So that every new level of consciousness we get into, we then reassess the whole dance of life and keep it together on the physical plane. Hey everyone, it's Raghu, and I'm back with uh, Ramdas here and now. It's been a while. Hi, and uh, I want to uh, introduce this particular episode, which is quite unique, very unique, and uh, it's got this wonderful breath meditation, and interspersed with that is a Dharma talk around devotional tantra and the mother, and it is uh, exceptional and features Krishna Das as singing, I bet many of you have never heard this, Goddess Come Down. Like, this is 1976. Anyway, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but I want to tell everybody we have this incredible online course, Alan Watts and Ram Das, first time ever, the two OGs of the mystical East, at least bringing it back to uh, the West. And we're so happy this, uh, this, was, uh, this is happening and was put together and took a lot of work by a number of people to curate this, uh, Noah being one of them. I have to do a call out to him. And uh, it's Presence in the Way, the Dharma of Alan Watts and Ramdas. And it's a four-week course, and it's got uh, just wonderful themes that we all are dealing with on a day-to-day basis or getting some nutritious food for our souls. So there's stuff around separation, for instance. There's stuff around stuff. There's wonderful talks from both of their perspective, Alan and Ramdas, on separation, on uh, money and livelihood, on the Tao, the way, the balance, how do we get it, what is it, and then the last week is love and transformation. And... uh I, I just, it, I had not listened to, particularly to Alan, in many, many, many years, especially the way I listened because I was part of my job to go through and see what this curation amounted to relative to both Ramdas and Alan speaking to these particular subjects. Pretty amazing. And by the way, every week we have a, a, a Dharma talk where one of our teachers gets a uh, on a Zoom, which people can join, which uh, you know they they discuss the theme and take questions and a- and answers. I'll be doing the first one, which starts October second. By the way, I'll be doing the first week with Mark Watts, Alan's son. It'll be some interesting uh, recollections there. And uh, David Nickturn is going to be with us. Uh, Koshin. 
Haley is going to be with us, a beautiful Zen priest from, uh, from New York who does incredible work, and Trudy Goodman with the last week around love and transformation, which has all sorts of stuff around relationships, very practical advice. So this is quite a wonderful course that we are very proud of. And uh, just go to ramdas.org slash dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A, ramdas.org slash dharma. Onward and forward to this uh, devotional tantra talk, which is really, as I said, this beautiful intermingling uh, between him using breath as a, a meditation as a way to uh, to get ourselves into a balanced place where we can absorb what it is that we need to merge with. And he talks a lot about learning to love and devour the mother. And you need to listen to him to really get what he's talking about. But um, mother, universal form, all experiences are mother. And they need to be appreciated as such. And if you have that kind of relationship, then you cover the world with the mother. If you have a relationship with the mother, which is react, so every phenomenon that comes, you react to, you cling to, you are, a, you have aversion towards, then you have covered the mother with the world. <laughs> so he talks about that. It's really quite great. And then in the middle, as I said earlier, is Krishnadas singing, God has come down. I mean, come on. This is worth the price of admission, right? For those of you that love Krishnadas, who doesn't? So uh, the this is my favorite line, okay? Consume the form to enter into the formless. And what does that really mean? It's like you stop rejecting everything. You stop um, You stop with the individual differences. You start consuming the attachment because we are so attached to individual differences, it's nuts. Maharaji himself said, uh, it is wrong to assume individual differences in people. So it's like Ramdas talks about going in the woods and every tree is unique in their beauty. But we don't do that. We judge people all the time. So this is a, a very uh, potentially transformational words from Ramdas around this practice of the mother covering the world. And you relate that way with her. And when you relate that way with her, you're relating that way with all phenomena because she is it all. Maya. That's the name of my dog in the back, by the way. Maya. So enjoy the talk and uh, we'll see you, I hope, soon. If not soon, you can go to Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network, which I do every week. And otherwise... Talk later. If you will start to breathe 
deep, gentle breaths into the middle of your chest. It's called the fourth chakra. Sounds like a TB sanitary. Just breathe gently and deeply. Now we're going to shift levels. Now comes an understanding of the way in which the soul becomes free. And how you feed the soul. If you look out upon the world, all of your experiences that constitute this life, you can see each one as a discrete experience and label it. Or you can find a way of labeling the universe in such a way that that labeling will help you loosen the hold of the clinging that your senses have to sense objects. The third noble truth of the Buddha. Within what is called devotional tantra, which is the lineage which I wish to share with you this evening, the universe, the forms, the experiences are all ex appreciated and related to as the mother. Some of you are familiar with the terms Maya or the Holy Spirit, the Spirit made manifest, the mother, Prakriti. There is an expression in this form of devotional tantra that says, either you cover the mother with the world, or you cover the world with the mother. If you cover the mother with the world, you are lost in the world. And a car is a car, and a television set is a television set, and anger is anger, and doubt is doubt, and a mother and a father are a mother and a father. If you cover the world with a mother, every experience 
that you have in this lifetime is but another aspect or face or quality or tone or movement of the mother. And in this reality, you as a seeker are relating to the universe as the mother and your relation is one of learning to love, feed from, interact with, consume, and finally devour the mother. The mother has many faces. The Virgin Mary, Durga, Lakshmi, Kali, face after face of the mother. Some are wrathful, some are tender, some are giving. As you breathe into your soul, with each in-breath, you begin to feed upon the mother. All of the sounds you hear are the mother. Yes, Ma, I hear you. The feelings in your body, the mother. All of it has become the same thing, the mother. Much as a baby drinks from the breast, you drink into your chest. And what comes in is as if it were a golden mist, a substance. It really is a spiritual substance. But the process of incorporating the universe into yourself is the process of making love to and flowing with and drinking from the mother. For as you take each experience in your life, and redefine it as a form of the mother, and then acknowledge and honor and allow its space, and then drink it in, in its pure form of energy, beyond the form it took, you are slowly consuming your own attachments to individual differences until, as it is said, you are like a candle in the niche where the flame never flickers no matter how wild the winds blow. For there is nothing that the mother can do that you cannot consume in love. This is returning to the flow.
This is returning to the flow with the forms of the universe. We are now dealing only with form. Breathing in and out through the chest. Breathe in all of your thoughts. Just draw them into your being. Fill with them as if they all were turning into a fluid you were filling with. For that is the fuel you will use. You will consume the mother to go to the father. You will consume the form to enter into the formless. If you have not consumed the mother fully, you are not prepared for the next step. You must consume the universe for that plane of reality where there is only one of us. You are the universe. It is the mother looking at itself. Consume, acknowledge, honor, love, flow. Let the breath flow in and out. And as you take it in, fill with the experiences of your life. Krishnadas, who is here with me, is going to invoke the mother. At this moment in English, later we'll do it a different way. While he's doing this, if you will just draw in into your chest, this room is now loaded with that substance. If you will just allow it to flow in and out of your being. Later I will talk and satisfy your intellect about all this. But now, even though this form is alien to you, just play. And after he is singing and started the song, I think you would enjoy to, and it would help you open your heart to increase the flow, to sing the refrain, Goddess Come Down.
Will I make it to the top? When I do, I'm gonna sing God is come down God is come down Oh, God is come down And bless us now you See that I Yeah, there's a mountain 
process of awakening or becoming enlightened or becoming perfected even the strategy is slightly different depending on what your goal is as you Meditate more deeply. I mean, it turns out that the game is very simple. It's purification, meaning cleaning up your attachments, your negativity, stuff like that. It's opening your heart. It's developing the capacity to work with more and more energy. And that has to do with your mind in part, and thus there's a lot of work of quieting the mind. And part of the thing you quiet in the mind 
are the models or molds you have of who you think you are. Because who you think you are usually can only hold this much energy. And if you try to put in this much energy, it overflows and you get all this kind of weird Shakti stuff with shaking and dancing and stuff, which is all pretty and fun and you, wow, look at what's happening. But it merely means you overloaded the circuits. And if the game is designed properly, and that means there isn't enough love in the system, if the game is designed properly, you keep flowing more and more into the universe and back and forth, keep opening, cleaning up your game, quieting your mind, and getting rid of your models more and more as your meditations get deeper, then more energy becomes available to you, and you just become more and more filled with more and more Shakti, or the mother, or the force of the universe. And that force is what finally takes you into or merges into the formless or goes through that doorway. Now, this process, which turns out after you begin to feel it and sense it and be in it, is very, uh, it's not romantic at all. It's very uh, sort of discrimination type stuff. Like you get so when you're teaching that you look at somebody and you see just where they're not and you just go after it with a knife. That's the Kali in you. And at the same moment, if the heart isn't open, you're sending out love, but nothing's being received because people won't let you love them. And part of your job is to let yourself be loved, which means you have to let go of the unworthiness. Now, letting go of is the act of purification. And all the stuff which are called the five hindrances or the ten fetters or the 38 impurities or whatever they are, um, <laughs> uh, they're the ones, the obvious ones, uh, anger, sloth, and torpor. <laughs> Everybody knows about sloth and torpor. Um, agitation, um, anger, ill will, uh, greed, lust. Um, those beginning ones, anyway. Then there are a lot of subtle ones, like attachment to fine material plane things, like astral entities and stuff. All of this stuff starts to slow down your journey to God. And you finally get so greedy to get done that you just want to get rid of the stuff. Instead of spending years analyzing it or therapizing it or like playing with your feces, See, you just want to get done. You just want to give up your shit, you know, and you just say, here, Ma, you take it. I don't want it anymore, see. And one of the ways you can do that is to offer it to Kali Ma. Kali is that aspect of the mother that eats your impurities. And uh, she is horrible looking with blood dripping from her mouth and a circlet of skulls, and she's really the most ugly thing you've ever seen. If you've got a private stash of ego you want to hold on to, See, if you don't, if you say, here, Ma, I'm all yours, then you see the golden heart, the golden goddess, and you see the other aspect of Kali. But one of the ways of purification is offering to the mother, or offering to Christ, or offering, or offering, or just letting go of, offering to the guru, whoever that is. Cleaning up purification, that's like yama and niyama in Raja Yoga. Asanas and pranayama in Raja Yoga are all the process of working with the energies and redirecting the energies so that your spine gets clear and the energies can flow.
This isn't your physical spine now. This is your psychic spine, if you will, your chakras. Then the open heart allows the flow and allows the more and more of the force of the universe to come in and allows you to keep consuming the mother, consuming all the stuff you get st stuck in. Somebody comes up and says, you're a stupid jerk, I hate your guts. And you go through a inside you. Good, eat it. See? If you can't eat it, give it to Ma, she'll eat it. See, I'm uptight. Here, Ma, you eat it. See? And you start to learn to play with all your stuff. Let it go. Get rid of it. Get on with it. Get on with it. Stop playing. Get on with it. Right? And this is like, um, for me as a psychologist, this is heresy. Because after all, this is the real stuff of life. But... <laughs> I really got so bored being neurotic that I just decided to go on in life. And... <laughs> This doesn't mean therapy isn't useful, but it's most useful when your therapist is Buddha. <laughs> or at least trying to become Buddha. If he thinks he's, or she thinks she's a therapist, watch out. Because if she's a therapist, you've got to be a patient. <laughs> if you want to be a patient, go ahead. But I would like to be somebody going to God. Okay. Now... Purification, opening the heart, quieting the mind, and getting the energy flow. All of this is based on an understanding, a little bit at least, of what it's about. You use your intellect, your mind, to take all these words and grok them, consume them, eat them, until it's all, yeah, right, you sort of know what the direction is. Ultimately, you will become very simple. I'll tell you that ultimately your mind will become totally empty. It's very far out. After years of being, when I was in my previous incarnations, like a Harvard professor, <laughs> I would spend all my time thinking because I was paid for that. And I would have clipboards and tape recorders to collect my thoughts. And uh, now I've become very simple. I guess it was too much drug or something. But my mind is totally empty. Nothing is in there at all. And I just sit looking stupid. <laughs> but then when something needs to happen, it happens. And I don't have to listen to it. <laughs> uh, it's very far out when you begin not to think. Or the thinking's going by and you're not identified with being the thinker. You really feel you've lost something. It's a while before you can appreciate the peace that comes from the simplicity of no mind, of just emptiness, of just not having to be somebody all the time. We're in training to become nobody. <laughs> You've been somebody long enough. You spent the first half of your life becoming somebody. Now you can work on becoming nobody, which is really somebody. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to outdo Alan Watts. This is... <laughs> His ghost will never forgive me. Now, part of this process 
concerns the rate. And if your training is good, and if you have the right kind of discipline in the process, as I said, there are different strategies depending on the goal. If you're just trying to get out of here, let's say the, first, the lowest thing you might want are powers, astral powers. So you become a yogi, and you learn how to do all kinds of incredible things. You have yogic powers. You can read minds and teleport and telekinesis and stuff. Incredible powers. You can make a lot of money. In fact, just a little meditation and you start to get powers. Just have to have a mantra. <laughs> and you can become very powerful. Powers are just more suffering, of course, if you're attached to them. Okay. Now let's say you just want to get out. You just want to get liberated. Then you go for broke. You just keep going out and out and out. The problem is when you get out, you may not be able to get back in. There are beings who go into samadhi and then they just leave and then their body disintegrates after a while because nobody's home. <laughs> there is choice all along the way. And as you go through these levels or stages or purifications where you begin to acknowledge you are pure, that you really and truly do want God, and you're not lost in your stuff so much anymore. Then, as your consciousness goes up and clearer and through those channels, you begin to experience an identity with, an empathy with, more and more of the universe. Then you experience brotherhood not as an intellectual concept, but as a reality, a perceptual reality. You look and see other human beings as just us. There is no them anymore. There are some really people who do some lousy things, but it's still us. Us just caught in confusion and fear and stuff like that. At that point, when you have that clarity of vision, which is third eye, sixth chakra, and you can see it all, and you feel an empathy with it all, at that point, before you enter into nirvikalp samadhi, or formless samadhi, there is a choice. There's a choice to enter in and leave, or dip in and come back. And that's where a real choice is available, because you don't have any personal karma anymore at that point. You're done. And that's where the bodhisattva vow in Buddhism is a real vow, the vow of remaining in form for all sentient beings who suffer. Now you're approaching not just liberation, because any, not anybody, but you've got a good chance of getting liberated, but you're now approaching perfection. Because perfection is a being who is free to leave and who is here and not here simultaneously, but stays in form, not out of personal karma or desire, but out of collective karma. That's what a true guru is, somebody who's free to leave and is only here in order to be the way for someone else, to point the way through their being. Not necessarily teaching, but being. The only thing that I am involved in is the game of perfection. 
And because of that, when I work with people, or even in this teaching, I see the game as a game of moving up and then bringing up the ground with you. It's like an inverted T where you go up the center and then you pull the two bottom lines up with you. So that every new level of consciousness we get into, we then reassess the whole dance of life and keep it together on the physical plane. See, it's very easy to go up and then start to lose it and say, oh man, I can't cut that. I can't clean my room because I'm just too high. I'm too close to God. See? And to me, that's a cop-up. And I'm very, very tough about that on myself as well as on everybody else. And the way I have been trained is very, very ferocious about that. For example, I'll be taken up into a very high state of samadhi where there was no breath, my body is stiff, and then suddenly I'm told, come down and go, quick, you've got to leave right away. And within a minute or a minute and a half, I have to be down, out of the house, in my car, and driving away. Right? And you can't drive off the road. You've got to do it. And this discipline teaches you to keep it together. There's no reason for being sloppy. You don't have to space out to go to God. This is a tough game, by the way. Really tough. But it has a horrible beauty to it. A horrible beauty. For there isn't anywhere to hide. You can't hide in your highness any more than you've hidden in your lowness. Most of you have hidden in your unworthiness. If you finally decide you want to go to God, you've got to give that one up. And every time you notice that you're working out of a place of unworthiness, let it go. It's not going to get me to God. Here, my, you eat it. And get on with it. You start to meditate and you sit down and you say, I can't do this. Or, I don't think this will work. That's unworthiness and doubt. Here, let them go. Go back to your meditation. But the process of keeping the ground as you go up, so you always have ground, so that you're high and low at the same moment. That's a tough game to learn, but it's a very important one. So at the same moment as I would like to take you all up higher and higher and higher and higher, I don't think the game tonight is just to get high. The game is to understand that balance. This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate you listening and we appreciate all the support that you've given us. Please continue that support and donate at ramdas.org. We can then continue to share what Ramdas has been sharing for all of these years. Thank you.